0: hello and welcome to the forum on education Abroad's storytellers podcast this next set of episodes are focused on equity diversity and inclusion in the world of education abroad my name is ryan vonderhaar and i was thrilled to help produce this project the episodes you're about to hear were developed by members of the forum's 2021-2022 inclusive international engagement working group for more information on this project and all of the other great initiatives and work being done in this realm, please visit forumea.org. We hope that you enjoyed the episode.
1: Okay, hello everyone. We're excited to get started with this program today. My name is Katie Clancy. And I am joining from Guanajuato, Mexico. I am uh, glad and very honored to be a part of this group who are working collectively to create this uh, podcast series for the forum. And uh, our focus is, or the name of our podcast, is the sh- the Shifting Lens on Identity. And we are so excited today to be speaking with our first student uh, interviewee Devine Lopez. Devine joins us from uh, California and Devine could you tell us where are you calling from?
2: Uh, I'm currently in Stockton visiting family but um, I live in the Bay Area which is about an hour away.
1: Wonderful wonderful and tell us a little bit about what you're up to these days.
2: Uh, well right now the this, this summer is kind of coming to an end and this summer I was pretty busy doing a fellowship and an internship so that kept me pretty busy um but yeah now I'm gonna enter school next week so I'm pretty excited about that it'll be my final year at Berkeley um, and really looking forward to it
1: and tell us what you're studying again your major minor I can't exactly remember I think it's social work but refresh my memory
2: Yeah, no, um, my major it's called social welfare. Um, And yeah, I'm hoping to do social work, but the minor, the major itself is called social welfare. And I'm also hoping to minor in Spanish. So I'm excited.
1: Wonderful. Wonderful. I'm glad you're enjoying your your summer and staying busy. So just to get us started here. um, First of all, the big question, why are we here? And what are we hoping to sort of cover through this this conversation. And mainly we're looking to just flesh out a little window into this complex and ongoing process of identity development and discuss how those experiences that you've had while you were studying abroad, impacted or influenced this process on a macro level, you, Devine, right? And so that's really what we're looking to kind of delve into. And just because you know Devine and I have already had the pleasure of getting to know one another, we had a nice interview, uh, just the two of us, to get ready for the call, and and I learned a lot about Devine and and realized there's so much to share <laughs> that uh, we kind of discussed it the team and I and thought okay we we need to have some uh, some benchmarks or some some sort of. Uh, maybe rudders or guide rails to the conversation. And so just to give us a sense of shape and form to this conversation, uh, we're going to discuss this uh, process or uh, this development process of identity um, and the basis of three concepts. And so place, social, and lastly, the the process of assimilation and accommodation. So what I mean by that is, We're going to look at Devin and how place has influenced you. And of course, we're going to start with place because if we're an organization that's looking at study abroad and the impacts of, you know, changing place. Obviously, we really want to see, well, what does that do? How does that impact and how does that influence your sense of self? And then the next is the social, the idea of social identities. And so that's a really important pillar for us specifically in this series, because our focus is really strongly on uh, any themes that can help us better understand and do a better job of working in the framework of justice, diversity, equality and inclusion. And so that's why we're going to bring in those concepts of social identities and what that means to you. And then lastly, this ongoing process of assimilation and accommodation which is, is essentially is what did you learn like what did you learn about yourself what did you learn about how you show up in the world um, from these experiences and we you guys are all in a treat to in for a treat today because devine has had uh, two very different study abroad experiences yeah. and uh, it's exciting to hear how each one of those experiences has been, an important part of your development, Devine. So that's sort of how we're gonna frame this. And, and I think what we'll do is we'll start with place. And uh, the question that I wanna start with is just, could you give us a sense of who little Devine was? Like, let's let's talk about <laughs> when, <laughs> yes. where you came from, right? Like your upbringing and, and how you became uh, a young Devine Lopez pre-departure.
2: Yeah, there's a lot that could go into this um, answer, but I will say one of the major things that I want to mention, I was born and raised in California, and the reason I mentioned that was because um, I didn't have a lot of opportunity to travel outside of California until I was older, um, which will come into play as we answer more of the questions later on, but my younger self was very adventurous, and I don't remember being very shy which um, if you met me now, I'm a little more timid and reserved at times if I don't really know people, but that was never the case when I was younger. I just remember being really loud um, and just really up for anything. And I think a lot of that had to do um, with my family. A lot of my family used to live in California. Um, now they're kind of all spread out all around um, the U.S., but I just remember um, having a lot of uncles who really encouraged me to be loud and um you know, just you know, live the life like a little girl, but also just have fun. And um, I think a lot of that changed as I got older, and I became more more reserved, more timid. Um, and something that Kate and I previously talked about, which was a, a major thing in my childhood, was that um, I experienced sexual assault. And so that, in general, at any point in your life, will affect you tremendously. But I think that being a kid. Um, that was really a turning point in my life. And I didn't know how to trust people. And I didn't know how to communicate anymore. I didn't want to be loud. If anything, I kind of wanted to hide away and be a little invisible. So um, that and the reason I mention it now is because I remember growing up, um, especially in my teen years, I never wanted to talk about it. And I was filled with a lot of shame and guilt about it. And um, you know, it shouldn't be that way because at the end of the day, I'm living through that and um, really trying not to let that control my future. but I think it's a really taboo topic. and so I'm just really grateful that Kate and I were able to discuss this in, more further in detail and really go into why that has affected my identities, right? but um, but yeah, uh, I just thank oh, thank you so
1: much for sharing that. I think it's really. Um, as you said, it's important for you to be able to share that, and it's important for those that are listening to to have you be brave and be able to, you know, share that part of your identity, that part of your formation that that maybe previously provoked uh, or s- created a sense of shame. Um, the other the other thing that I know that it's really important to maybe if you don't mind talking a little bit more, I think it's great to hear about your being surrounded by family that how that how plays for you. Um, meant maybe in a, in some ways I'm hearing it was a little bit limiting that you were you weren't like moving around and exploring. Uh, I'm not sure exactly why that your family maybe wasn't able to 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 be able to explore and see a lot of different places. Uh, so location was like a lo- maybe more specific, but you were surrounded by family and and so what was your neighborhood like what was your home in your neighborhood like who are you surrounded by like how would you describe that neighborhood
2: yeah the um I think before, so I was born in LA and I lived there until I was about I think three or four years old and then we moved out to the Bay Area um where we lived in an apartment and it was a one-bedroom apartment but at one point it literally had I think like about eight people living in a one-bedroom apartment, Um, and I remember those days really clearly, and um, yeah, and so most of my family at that time was undocumented just coming recently from Mexico, so, you know, obviously there's um, a lot of barriers when it comes to, you know, being financially stable, so Mm -hmm. the reason I said that my experiences like traveling were really limited was because that's not something my family was necessarily able to do, um, but also a lot of the traveling that I did as I got older involved activities like backpacking and, um, you know, doing community service in, in other places. And that's not necessarily like the type of culture that I was raised around. And that's not something my family knew to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think when I grew up, I saw that there was a lot of things out there when you travel, but it's not an experience I had as a, as a little girl
1: as a little girl Mm -hmm. awesome well thank you so much like this really gives a sense of of those early years and that part of your you know that your formation um it sounds like a lot of love and a lot of um, family influence and uh in some I love that you were able to be a child and that that sense of freedom uh but then also uh you know, the limiting belief systems that that each family possesses, right? We all have families and each family has their sense of this is how, this is what's possible. So it's interesting how you broke out of that as you grew a little bit older. So the next question uh, or the next area I want to sort of explore with you is the remembering back to that, you know, that adolescent, like, so we know that you were able to study abroad as a teenager yes and so before I would like to kind of think right before that trip um if you could look back at a little bit of what you just shared with us uh you were kind of dabbling in on these social identities because the social identities we learn from our environment of course right they're intertwined it's all it's all connected but I would like you to sort of Think about those those big eight identities, right? The list of all the social identities. I think you have the list there. We, and and you know, we all we all have we all participate in that list, but we have different relationships with those identities and how salient they are, and also how important they are. Yeah. So, for you, if you can remember doing to before traveling abroad, what do you think? Like, how would you describe? yourself in the three like three main identities what were those three identities that were you really felt like were defining you and it was how the world perceived you and how you showed up
2: yeah um that's honestly one of the things that I didn't realize until we had this conversation but there was two that really came to mind when I thought about this question um and the first one that I think was the biggest one is just my gender being a woman Um, I, you know, like I said, I'm Mexican American. So with that in the culture, especially in the Mexican culture, there's a lot of emphasis on, you know, the gender roles, right? So it's sort of women um, are more meant to be at home and sort of learning to cook and clean while the men are out there working. Um, so there's a very like, binary thought about that. And so I grew up really thinking of in that way where, um, you know, I'm really grateful because my family didn't necessarily tie my identity to those roles. If anything, they really pushed, especially my mom, always pushed education in my life. But a lot of times that's not the case. And so um, being a woman really cemented a lot of the experiences I had. And like I said, um, going through sexual assault, but also surviving that instance and, you know, trying to help other survivors, um, a lot of the times it, it's mostly an issue that affects women and so i really at a young age i knew that i wanted to bring more awareness to it just didn't necessarily have the tools to do that yet um but another big thing like i mentioned my identity as being Mm mexican-american that (laughs) just in itself right when you live in the u.s and um there's already stereotypes put into those identities so i think people already had expectations of what my life would turn into or um just sort of like what I was destined to do in my life and that wasn't always a positive thing unfortunately you know um but and I think I had this conversation with you when I sometimes there's times when I feel like I'm not American enough to be in the US. But then it's funny, because when I go to Mexico, and I visit family, it's like, I meet people who make me feel like I'm not Mexican enough. So there's always been that sort of um, feeling where I feel in the middle, and I never know how to. And I, I struggled with this when I was younger, trying to prove myself in both ends, right, that I'm American enough, and I'm Mexican enough. But it's just like having that Mexican American experience is unique. And if you ask a lot of people who have that, you know, identity that they identify with, I think they will tell you the same thing where it's, you always feel like you're in the middle and don't necessarily know how to prove either. Right. So um, yeah, especially in my teenage years, I battled a lot with that.
1: Okay. So I hear, I'm hearing that being a woman and also being a Mexican-American are the two main uh, driving identities that for you were really uh, showing up at that point yes. in your life when you were a teenager and so then knowing that so now that we have this sense of food that uh is and where she grew up tell us a little bit about your first experience where did you go um how did you get there and and what you know I know you shared some some stories I would love to hear the 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 big aha moment of like what what that what sort of defined that that experience for you.
2: Yeah, well, um, just to sort of preface it a little bit, high school was a challenging time just personally. Um, And in middle school, it's kind of when I was struggling with the aftermath of the sexual assault and, you know, telling people about it. So in high school, I was really trying to break out of my shell and find things that would not only distract me, but something that I could enjoy doing. So one of the first things that I did um, was join my school's cross-country team my freshman year. And that experience in itself was really mentally and physically challenging, but I think it really helped me understand that if I really put my mind to something, I could get through it. And so with that mentality, I try to look for other opportunities um, just to, you know, explore a little bit more about myself, but also step out of my comfort zone. And so I joined a program called Summer Search, um, which is basically a program for high school students for your sophomore and junior year and those summers they fund a trip for you where um, they emphasize the importance of being a leader but you're put in really challenging situations so my first trip I went to Wyoming for a month and I was backpacking with a, a group of 11 other people and like I said, I've never experienced anything like that in my life before. So, um, you know, being out in the backcountry of Wyoming for a month is challenging, especially as, you know, <laughs> having that be your first time. Mm-hmm. And what was really nice about that was that the students that I went with, this was also their first experience backpacking. So we really connected through that. And my junior year, that summer, I um, I was part with some research. They funded a trip with Global Glimpse. And Global Glimpse isn't necessarily study abroad, but you do go abroad. um, And they emphasize being a leader, right? So you're surrounded by other students from the Bay Area, New York, um, and Chicago area. And you're basically put together um, in this group and you're able to do a project with the communities in in the countries that you go to. So I went to Dominican Republic And um, it was really nice because we were able to create a project in which we built like a basketball court for the community. And that was really fun. But it was my first time outside of the country where my family wasn't there. So I had gone to Mexico before, but this was a completely different experience. And um, one of the things you and I talked about, Kate, was how this is really one of the first times that I felt like my bilingualism was so was so great and I think I'd never felt that before um but when I was in that trip I was able to really translate for my group and really talk to community members and understand their stories their life stories and you know share that with my group but it really made me feel grateful to have that opportunity because not only was I able to um share cherish those moments with them but I was really able to communicate that with my group and know sort of be an an asset for them so um that was really one of the first moments that made me feel like I wanted to travel for the rest of my life and I've I've been trying to do that since but um I credit a lot of that to that uh that experience with Global Glimpse.
1: And it's so interesting that you say that it was the first time that you felt that you were seeing your bilingualism through a positive lens and and a little bit of what you had been talking about previously um i'm curious like when you say as a mexican-american never quite like always never quite feeling american enough and then never then coming to mexico and never quite feeling Mexican enough, yeah. like part of that culture, but I think, how, like, do you think that maybe the language and the accent um, is a part of that 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 belief or that feeling like not being 100% Mexican because your Spanish isn't quite Mexican and then not quite being quite American enough because they, if someone hears you speaking Spanish, yeah I don't know, like, do you think that that bilingualism prior to the Dominican Republic could create a sense of otherness, maybe? I don't know.
2: Yeah, you know what, I think that's a really good way to sort of put it, because, um, and it's funny, because I know a lot of people who have parents who are um, from Latin America, but then they're raised, they're born and raised in the U.S., it's not, you know, it's not like we don't want to know the Spanish language, right? But it's harder sometimes because you go to school and that's all you speak. And um, a lot of the people that you interact with, the main language is English. So it's like, you don't practice your Spanish a lot. And it Mm -hmm. kind of, um, and I think it's in both ways, right? You're never, at least for me, my English or my Spanish is never 100% perfect. And that's just being bilingual, right? But I grew up speaking Spanish and writing it and just really loving the language. And I, you know, I always thought that um, I can understand it a hundred percent clearly, but when it came to speaking it, I really felt insecure because there had been people who would point out like that I would butcher some words, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So that really helped me feel like I, i what, that wasn't an asset that I had being bilingual because I wasn't perfect in it. And so um, I feel like a lot of, a lot of people who who are here and are born and raised here, but um, their parents are from another country, they feel that, right? Because it's Mm -hmm. like, you're not perfect in that language. And so I didn't realize that until I went on my trip that I never felt skilled in it. Like that was, and like you said, I felt like that was, that was something that people really pointed out. And it just made me feel insecure. So when I went to the DR, it, it was nice to know that even though it wasn't perfect, there was people who understood that I was doing my best in it and that I really loved the language, you know, and being able to communicate in it. Um, But yeah, for a while, I always felt like that was something that made me feel outed and really alienated, even though I spoke the language and I um, Mm -hmm. was able to communicate, but it wasn't perfect.
1: So. And then, you know, the other thing, so I I think a part of it was like, what I'm hearing anyway, is that there was something that, yeah, to feel out it. And then in the Dominican Republic, it actually became a point of connection, right? Yes. Like you became a bridge literally between two communities, your student community, and then the community in which you were interacting. I'm curious, were there any other students with you that were bilingual or did you become the point of contact?
2: No, I wasn't the point of contact. So we had um, program coordinators who spoke both languages perfectly. Um, and we had, I think, probably a handful of students who were also bilingual, so they were also able to translate. Um, but yeah, like you said, in the Dominican Republic, there, it's diff- the Spanish is a lot different than what I'm used to in Mexico, but... Honestly, it felt just being there, it was always from the point that I got there, it was very welcoming. And I think there's like this unity just being from Latin America when um, people get to meet you and really communicate with you in their native tongue, like there's just that instant connection. And so yeah, from the get go, I felt that um, that's sort of unity. And it really connected me to the community. But also just um, like you said, the students who also spoke Spanish and English and myself were able to I think really have a unique perspective of being there, um, just in translating for them, but really understanding like what they were trying to convey to us. Mm -hmm. And I'm just really grateful for that experience.
1: Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, okay. So then fast forward. So that's, you know, (laughs) that's your first experience abroad. And as you said, you immediately recognize this asset in yourself to be able to, as a bilingual, uh, Young yeah, woman, and and then you came back and were inspired, and and knew that travel and exploration and putting yourself out of your own comfort zone uh, is something you wanted to continue. So, and I think this is pretty remarkable the way that you entered into your first study abroad uh, experience. So, please share with us like uh, how you became a study abroad student at Berkeley. Yes,
2: yeah, so. Actually, and I don't know if I mentioned this before, but um, so when I was applying to colleges, my goal was really to get out of California and really push myself out, especially the East Coast. I always thought I would be going to college in the East Coast um, just because, like I said, I really wanted to become more independent. And I thought the way to do it was sort of push myself to go to another state and um, really try to be independent. Right. And so that was always my goal. But I ended up going to school in Berkeley, which I love now. But at the time, I didn't think that that's the school I would be going to since it's only an hour away from my actual home. Um, but it became the best decision I made. And one of the things that really made me wanna attend Berkeley was um, a program called Global Edge, which is a program for incoming freshmen where you your first semester is actually studying abroad in London. And so I really thought that that's, that was the perfect way for me to start college um because not only would i be getting out of california i would be getting out of the u.s and so (laughs) i just thought that was that was something i had to do there was no question about it when i heard about it i immediately um immediately got into the program and so yeah my first semester i did abroad in london
1: so your first semester in college (laughs) yeah actually in london and okay so Let's talk about that. So then now you are in London and you're studying abroad and learning all of the, the adjustments to being a college student rather than being a high school student. And now you're a Mexican-American young woman in London. And so what what did that what are the sort of takeaways from that experience? Like there's I know you shared a little bit of um some of the interesting things that happened to you uh, being a a Mexican-American woman in London. So what did that feel like as a a young college student?
2: Yeah, there was definitely a lot of takeaways and a lot of realizations that I had that I didn't necessarily have with my previous um, experience abroad with Global Glimpse. But being in London as a Mexican-American woman um, I didn't even think that would be part of my experience, you know, really thinking about my identity in that way. Um, but it was interesting, and we talked about this before, but a lot of times when people, just in general in Europe, but when I was in London, I know when they they met Americans, a lot of times the first interactions weren't necessarily um, the most polite ones. I think they have an idea of Americans. And so I remember just thinking like, um, they didn't really identify me as American, but being American is already a struggle when, you know, um, Londoners have this, uh, sort of view about you. And so for me, that wasn't the case, even though I, you know, was born and raised in the U S, um, people took a look at me and didn't think I was American. And so I never took offense to that, but it was interesting just because <laughs> I'd never, like I said, in the U S it's like, Oh, you're Mexican. Um, and a lot of people don't think I'm American enough. But then when I go to Mexico, it's like, oh, you're American, right? Because right. I wasn't born in <laughs> Mexico. So it was a really odd but new experience. And,
1: um, and I you also mentioned that, that there was a little, like, there was a not knowing of where you were from, sort of, like, there's a, so, like, not knowing sort of how to assess your, um your visual identity or your physical identity, like not being able to place you into a category. Like you said, so, okay, well, we're meeting you and we're not sure that you're American. So I'm not giving you that, that tag. Um, but you said something about like, that that people approached you with interest or curiosity. Can you talk a little bit about that, about?
2: Yeah, so, um a lot like you said a lot of the times people didn't associate um just my features with being American and so the question that always came up was well where was I from right and um in London they have a really big uh Colombian population so people would always assume like that was the first thing a lot of people assume was that I was from Colombia which isn't the case right (laughs) um and so when I would tell them no actually like I'm I'm from America, but I'm Mexican-American. So, you know, my family's from Mexico. Mm -hmm. It always was a point of interest. And I just remember people being really curious about it, but in a very, um, I want to say in a very positive way where they were like, oh, well, what's that like? And, Mm -hmm. you know, how's it growing up in the U.S.? And especially being first generation. um, And that was just something I didn't, I hadn't experienced before, right? Because like I said, in the U.S., there's already a lot of stereotypes about being Mexican American, and people, even if you're not within those communities, you kind of have an idea of what that experience is like. And mm-hmm. I kind of had to explain my experience to um, other people who would ask me in London, and that was a really nice thing because people were genuinely interested in hearing like my experiences and just um, growing up as a Mexican American in the U.S. and um, because they didn't really know, right? A lot of the stuff that they hear in media isn't necessarily what I've experienced. And so it was really nice to be able to have those conversations.
1: Thank you for sharing that. Yes, that's a, it's exciting to be able to kind of just approach people who are interacting with you with a beginner's mind, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's novel, it doesn't often happen that we're able to be just who we are and show up and have someone just ask all the questions without, without worry about uh, offending or also like casting stereotypes, right. So yeah. um, Sounds very freeing. <laughs> uh, The other question that I wanted to talk about, because you mentioned the experience, um, and I think this is a really important part of study abroad, you know, the the peer relationships that are formed, Mm -hmm. right? So you're abroad, and of course, you're trying to learn about uh, the place that you're visiting, and you also have to take classes, but then there's also the, the inherent importance of of friendship and camaraderie and sharing the experience and so I know that you were in London with a cohort and you had a diverse group of people there with you and so a little bit about that experience that you talked about uh, maybe sort of like the differences between you and the who you ended up feeling close with and who you were able to share that experience with and sort of some of the maybe some of the like unexpected um different perceptions or different trials and tribulations of of getting used to being abroad that that were not this like not lived the same by everyone in your cohort yeah
2: no that's honestly that's a really great question and I just remember when I went, I had one close friend that I knew and we actually went to high school together. Um, so we had very similar backgrounds and experiences. And I think that helped us connect a lot studying abroad. And um, I just remember there was like a handful of us who were Mexican American as well, first generation. This was our first time ever doing something like this. And that really became a point of unity for us. And mm-hmm. It sort it wasn't planned. It's just sort of how um, we became close friends because we knew we could relate to each other, but sort of support each other, right? And I feel like before the trip, we were prepared um, for our classes and academics while we were in, in, um, where we were going to London. But no one really tells you about your experience, how it's going to be a little more challenging because you don't have family who you can turn to and ask, you know, about these questions about study abroad and that was the case for us like it was our we were all first gen our first time in college and imagine our first semester abroad so not only figuring out like the academic portion of it but also the social aspect of it and feeling like we were worthy enough to even be in a program like this where a lot of the students I felt in that cohort um they just seemed more prepared a lot of the times and very um I don't want to say acclimated to the college culture but a lot of their parents went to college and so I think they had a, a solid understanding of that experience and we were still trying to figure out that experience in itself and you know to be in a whole different continent was just um it, it did provide a lot of challenges for sure um but I think it really helped to have them because I knew that there was no need for me to explain myself when I faced challenges like they just understood <laughs> and so I feel like you don't necessarily get that a lot, especially in the um, academic setting in university. So I I don't think it would have been the same had I not had them because they, like I said, I never had to explain myself. They just kind of understood because they were going through something very similar.
1: One of the things that you had mentioned, I know you mentioned that these that there was diversity in the cohort and some of the, the students who who were there visiting London with you, Uh, as you said, you know, their families had um, previously uh, graduated from college, right, so their parents graduated from college, but I think you also mentioned something about um, the difference of also, like, first time abroad, right, or being able to travel, Like, like, was that also a difference?
2: Yeah, honestly, I, and these weren't things I really thought about until I was studying abroad and even after that experience but I remember so while you're in while you're in the UK it's very easy to travel all around Europe and within the UK itself and so I remember even that was a little intimidating for my friends and I because we were like wow we can actually travel you know and um it was funny because a lot of the the students in that cohort had a lot of experience traveling a lot of them had already come to London so they kind of had traveled abroad um in Europe already and they they kind of knew their way around the area um and so for a lot of and I think this is something I mentioned too was a lot of them were able to bring their like their families were able to visit them which was really nice but I also noticed with um including myself and my friends that wasn't an option for our families whether it be um economic reasons but also like if your family don't have Mm -hmm. documentation as American citizens that's that's not yeah it's not possible and um I didn't want to point that out because we talk about like our social identities and me being an American citizen I feel like that's been one of the most important because it's allowed me to travel Mm -hmm. but I don't consciously think about that privilege in my head right where Mm -hmm. it's like there's people who grew up in in the US, but because they don't have documentation, it's like they can't do much. And so I would have to say that's something really important part of my identity, but I don't consciously think about it, right? Because I don't have to. Right. Um, but yeah, that's something that, that I really- But it does affect
1: you because and it, it did affect you in that situation, because as you said, you, you and your, your friends who are in those situations because of economic- Uh, maybe economic situations or um, documentation there wasn't there's not even an option that that you can visit with your family so there's there's a privilege there that maybe isn't like as you just mentioned and and it's invisible until one recognizes that not everyone is able to to have that be a part of their experience exactly Um, and then the last, last thing like I think you mentioned like um, you, you said something that was so, I don't know, it just really spoke to me that you said, struggling with the sense of whether or not you were, you were worth it, that you were worthy of being there and having that experience is, was that something like the, the worthiness and then you, in the last conversation, you talked about that as well about, do I deserve to be here? I think were the words that you used. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, about your experience like that that emotional feeling of being abroad and and what that meant as a Mexican American uh, first gen student because you said it wasn't just you, it was like it was a shared sentiment among you and your friends. Tell us about that, please.
2: Yeah. and I didn't realize this really until I started my time in college because in high school I never I never felt unworthy of um, experiences I had right because I I felt like I worked really hard for it and um my family really worked hard to not only support me in those opportunities but to make sure that they did everything they could so that I could really take hold of them and so in college it was a little different um and yes I think I just felt unworthy of being in Berkeley first of all Um, I I wasn't even going to apply to the school to begin with because I didn't think they would want someone like me, which is, you know, really ridiculous now that I look back, but at that moment that's really how I felt, and a lot of it just had to do with the fact that I didn't feel prepared to be in college, and especially I remember studying abroad, um, I felt disconnected from a lot of what we were doing, so, for example, I a lot of the courses we took centered around London and like a London theme. And so I had a museums class and a theater class. And before that, I had never really experienced that in my life. Like, that's not something my mom really grew up with. And that's not something, you know, she passed on to my brother and I, but it was really nice being able to learn about that sort of culture that they have in London. But a lot of the times I felt like the sore thumb, you know, because I was like, I've never done this and I was trying to figure everything out. and a lot of times, the thoughts in my head were just like, "Why are you even here? You're not smart enough to be here." Like, um, and I think that's normal, right? When you have your, especially your first semester in college, is at least from what I've heard from many people and my personal experience, it's the most challenging one because you're adjusting to the the culture of being in college, but then also it's very different from um, from high school in terms of academics, and so for me it was just amplified by the fact that I just didn't feel like I belonged there. I really didn't. And, um, I just felt like people like myself didn't weren't successful in those opportunities and not because they didn't want to, but because institutions like that aren't necessarily made with you in mind. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. with, you know, helping you get through a lot of the barriers and, um, it's still something institutions like Berkeley are working on, but, um, That was a point of connection for my friends and I because we never really told each other until like the end of it, but we had conversations about how, yeah, I, in the beginning, I thought I would fail and I wanted to go back home because I didn't feel like this was a place for me, like I belonged. And it's really sad, right? Because all of us sort of felt that without even having to um, tell each other. But it's also really unfortunate because I feel like a lot of people who do experience that end up dropping out of school because they really feel it and there's no one there to tell them well no like these institutions weren't made for you yeah it's like Mm -hmm. it's an added barrier but you can do it right you there's resources Mm -hmm. and so I was lucky in the sense to have them and be able to talk to them about it but that's not always the case for people and it's really unfortunate right but um it's just like the reality of it too
1: so it sounds like you know you were very fortunate to find a sense of belonging amongst your peers in a space where. Perhaps you didn't feel welcome, but you were welcome among your small group. And that was really an important aspect of your, your experience of kind of swimming in the sea of difference. No? Yeah. <laughs> um, now, I completely understand that sense of, of not having a sense of belonging. And I, you know, the, the devil's advocate would say traveling abroad. Into a space, uh, in a culture that's completely different than your own, there's a certain expectation to have to like sort of go through that discomfort, and 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 like there's lessons to be learned in a space of not belonging, Mm -hmm. right? And so, that would be the question for me that, that I would like you to answer is like, what there's a lot that can be improved to make that experience, I think, much more open and positive and sensitive to uh, students like yourself, absolutely. But if you're thinking about other Mexican-American students and whether or not they have the choice to study abroad or not, there's a big there's a big question when you and your friends got to the end of that experience did you feel that it was worth it did what did you feel that it was worth the the struggle and the you know the the negative inner dialogue that perhaps punctuated some of the trip was it was it worth it to go through it or was it not
2: Yeah, that's honestly, and I wish we were asked that more um, and people could really, especially if they're thinking about studying abroad. Yes, I think it was worth it. And if anything, um, even having this conversation with you, right, we're trying to bring more awareness to um, that sort of, those sort of challenges that comes with being POC, doing study abroad. And Mm -hmm. so if anything, I would say it was worth it. Um, And I just wish that there was had there been um, more opportunities before studying abroad to talk to other people with similar uh, backgrounds and experiences to ask them questions, you know, and have a real conversation about that because we were fortunate that we were able to have this group of each other where we could relate to our experiences. And like I said, we never had to explain, um, explain ourselves, but it just makes me wonder of people who went to study abroad and they didn't have that sort of community, right, how their experiences went, Um, but if anything, I would just say that if I could change anything, it would just be the fact that we, I wish we would have had more conversations about this, because I, I think a lot of the conversations prior to studying abroad focus on what to expect when you get there, like the weather, what should you bring for clothing, um, like really cool places to visit while you're in London, but it's not necessarily like Okay, how do you deal with not only studying abroad your first semester, but studying abroad, not really knowing how your identities are going to affect, you know, just you living there and experiencing that um, from the get go. And so for me, just talking to you about this has been really exciting because I feel like we're opening up um, a door for bigger conversations about this. But these type of conversations aren't what people want to have on a day-to-day basis when you're talking about studying abroad because it's you know this is really real and people want to focus on more of the fun aspects of it but um it's nice to have these conversations right and I just Mm -hmm. wish that would have been available to us before studying abroad.
1: Absolutely. I think that's definitely something we want to take away from this. And then the other, that you know, going sort of further on that and pushing the envelope a little bit, is as wonderful it is to, to visit beautiful places. I mean, I'm sure you have great photographs and, <laughs> yes. and memories of, of visiting some really great places in Europe. But do you feel like that those are the takeaways or do you think that these deeper, (laughs) the the deeper assimilation is, you know, that's the next question, right? You know, so assimilation and accommodation, like what, you know, what what's the what's the end? And maybe it's not the end. I mean what 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 is what uh what is study abroad the catalyst for? And so is it coming home with beautiful pictures and and fun memories of going out with new people that you've never met before, or is it something a little bit more existential? <laughs> and so that's what I would ask for you. Like <laughs> even though that there, I mean, there's some heaviness there. There's a lot of growth, a lot of probably discomfort, and and I would imagine uh, a little bit of sadness and and feeling um, is, that, that that sense of feeling that you don't belong, but. At the end of the trip, outside of those other maybe more superficial things, um, what did you take away? Like, what did you learn about yourself? And and what did you learn about um, of like how you show up in the world and, and how the world perceives you?
2: I will say the pictures are really, <laughs> a really nice touch. And that's <laughs> um, something that I was able to share with my family, but honestly when I really think about that and no one's really ever asked me that I think the one thing I think about is how when I was going to take those pictures to the really cool places like the London Tower um I wasn't necessarily thinking about the pictures themselves but more so being able to represent and honor like the sacrifices my mom made and so I, the one clear moment I remember was um, seeing the Eiffel Tower the first time like being really close to it but thinking like man if somebody would have told my mom and I this just a year ago that I would be here studying like because I'm studying abroad I would have never believed you and so I think people have different ways of interpreting those experiences but for me every time that I did something like that I was just always thinking about like my mom and just knowing that this is a way to honor everything that she's done for us but also thinking about myself when i was younger right like never having believed that i would have been able to do something as great as studying abroad and being in these locations that you see on tv and in the movies um and honestly i just never thought i would make it that and i don't know if this might sound a little morbid but i never thought i would make it that far in my life and um so for me, that was just kind of how I, I really cherished those moments in study abroad. And that might be a little different for everyone, right? They might have sort of um, different ways to experience those moments, but for me, it always came back to, to those two things, so.
1: Wow. honoring those that came before you and then also achieving what it sounds like was previously perceived as impossible. Yeah. Those are two pretty big things, right? <laughs> that's, I think those are, that's wonderful. So yeah, I mean, sometimes the the path is not um, paved in gold, but it, if those are two takeaways from study abroad, um, I think we would wish those, those sort of experiences for others as well.
2: Definitely.
1: <laughs> um, so I think we are going to end it. I so appreciate you sharing all of this with us today. Your stories are so... Um, so different, and it's almost poetic the difference of going to Latin America and then going to this very, very Anglican uh, Europe experience, and and how you were able to learn about yourself and grow in both spaces. So thank you so much for sharing all thank of you. that with us. And then in the in the vein of following the great podcast that ended uh, with the. The, the series of quick questions. And so don't, don't think about it too much, but um, I want you to answer, let's say, four questions really quickly. The first is I see, you, you know, we started with your big three when you were a child. And, and now I would like to touch on those big three again now. I mean, like when you show up in spaces and the things that are like most important, or maybe not salient, but most important, they really are the the big weight of your character at this point in time. Two, uh, what's one thing that you wish that you would have known before traveling abroad as a student? Mm -hmm. And then what's one thing you wish that your professors Mm -hmm. or the, the people in study abroad that were preparing you Uh, new or understood and then the fourth one is what what is the lesson what are you learning right now about yourself because it's it's an ongoing development and that's the thing we want to end with is that identity development is not something that we well we hope we just don't ever just stop because that would be sort of tragic if we stopped evolving but so what are you learning now so let's start with those four questions rapid fire
2: oh man i am learning so much not just you know in general about myself but um a lot of it I think has to one of the main things that um I think was just necessary this year was letting go of a lot of um a lot of things from my past and because I feel like I really held on to it just trying um you know change is good but I think a lot of times there was fear behind that like what am I going to do after and um So that's one of the bigger things that I'm working on is just sort of letting go of um, those negative thoughts. And a big thing is um, learning how to really stick up for myself. And so one of the big things for myself that I always, that always was a challenge was saying no. And, you know, Mm -hmm. especially in like more professional or academic settings, because I tend to be a people pleaser. So I want to do as much as I can for people. But I don't really think about, like, how much I'm putting on my plate and how overwhelming that can get. And so that's been one of the biggest things because um, especially now that I'm almost done with my undergrad, like, I really want to make sure that when I go into professional settings, um, people can respect the fact that I'm going to put myself first as well. You know, I'm not like my job is important, but I also want to make sure that I'm okay because no one else will do that for me. So that's one of the bigger things um, especially this year that I've been working on and
1: those are big ones okay yeah and and so and Devine how do we define you what are your big three right now oh man Um, it's okay if it's the same I'm just curious just yeah I
2: would have to say they're the they're honestly the same because I feel like my experiences will forever be molded by those identities right so um Mm -hmm. being a woman being mexican-american being an american citizen um Mm -hmm. but also now and something i realized really recently actually was i there's a lot of work i want to do for survivors of gender-based violence and undocumented communities and you know pocs but it's like realizing that not everyone who necessarily identifies with any of those identities will be there supporting or advocating for those people. And so I really wanna make sure that I'm able to advocate for these communities in a way that doesn't take their identities for them or their stories away for them, but more so uplifting their voices. And that's something that I'm still sort of um, trying to figure out myself, but I just know that that's the type of work that I'll hold on to forever. And mm-hmm. so figuring out how to um, sort of be a leader in those roles, but, but represent those people and those communities as well without taking anything from them. So um, I think that's something I'll be learning for the rest of my life. But um, mm-hmm. it's really important for me to start now that I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those I think those are like the three identities that I really feel reflect <laughs> at least my life right now.
1: Wonderful, wonderful. We're lucky to have you. And then, so, what is one thing that you wish you had known before traveling? Oh, um, I think you kind of sort of mentioned it before. Maybe like you know that sort of. Meanwhile, they're more prepared about the the internal. um, Yeah, that's one of like. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth,
0: but
2: (laughs) no. And I was. That's one of the first things I comes to mind when I think about that question was just having more genuine conversations about um, just how this experience won't be the same for everyone and I think Ah, it might seem obvious it might seem obvious right like yeah everyone's gonna you know you have different lives but a lot of it has to do with your identities and so I don't know if people are like too intimidated or scared to really open up those conversations, but I just wish there was more emphasis on that because when you do study abroad, you're gonna have a different experience depending on like your background and just sort of um, how you identify. Mm-hmm. And it might seem obvious, but I think you don't realize it until you really get get to your study abroad destination. Um, so it
1: would be helpful to have that primer. Yes, to right? so like you know. Did someone say, "Hey, you know what"? It's going to be great you're going to learn a lot it's going to be new yeah it's and not all going to be mariposas right <laughs> exactly. and, and it's important that you recognize that who you are will and, and your background will play a role in how you how you interact and experience the situation um, yeah
2: and i quickly wanted to add on to that i also wish that somebody would have i i don't know if you've heard of the term imposter syndrome hmm but I wish, I didn't know what that was until probably my sophomore year of college, which is crazy to me now that I think about it. But I wish there was more conversations about that because um, that's pretty much what I felt and I know what my friends felt. And I don't think we were necessarily prepared um, to deal with that. That's not something we were thinking about, right? We were more anxious about, okay, we're going to be in a completely different country, mm-hmm. you know, going through the college process. Um but we never thought about those parts of our identities where we would be doubting just our place in those settings. And so it would have been really great to have conversations like that prior to doing study abroad. Okay.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Those are really, really good. So and actually, I think that you've answered number three. My number three was one thing you wish your professors or study abroad advisors knew or understood. And so it sounds like that's what you- that would be a great takeaway for yes. those that are listening to, to have conversations about imposter syndrome and about um, the, you know, the, the different experiences that one can have, right? Maybe it's not giving the answers, but asking the right questions, right? <laughs> exactly, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Spend this time together again this afternoon, and uh, enjoy the rest of your summer break. Thank you. Um, you too. And you're entering your senior year.
2: Yeah, next week.
1: All right. Well, good luck. You're Thank going to do you. great things. You'll be done soon enough, and moving on out into the into the professional world. Able to say no.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> working on it, but yes, hopefully.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode in our Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion in the World of Education Abroad podcast series. Once again, for more information on the Forum on Education Abroad, you can visit forumea.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, we would just ask that you subscribe to our channel and leave us a review. Please feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn and let us know what you thought about the episode. Thank you for listening.